Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Thinking Coach with David. With David, and it's good to see you again, David. Um, great to see you. Welcome, welcome again. Yeah, good to be here again, Jerome. Good to see you. Kieran's online with us already. Uh, he's just said hello, David. Uh, so he's just joining, joining in, joining us as well. That's okay. good, Kieran. <laughs> um, okay, so we're looking into an interesting topic today. We're looking at um, coaching on the fly and coaching through mistakes. Um, uh, this is an interesting one. Having been a coach for thirty odd years, um, you know there are. Mo- <laughs> I don't know whether. I don't know whether I can, I, I certainly coach through mistakes. Coaching on the fly, I'd probably say, well, you know, maybe I've done a bit of that too. Um, it, it, coaching on the fly, I guess, is sort of a, a, against the basic principles of what we, we do in terms of planning and stuff like that. So I guess starting it out, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about, we'll start out talking about coaching through mistakes. Um, how important is it for a, a coach to, you know, to, yes, coach through mistakes, but also be able to quickly correct those mistakes as well at the same time? Is it, is it, is it, is it you, you just coach through them and go back to it later or is it you try to coach through and actually change on the run? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I think it uh, it really depends on the nature of the mistake, and it depends on the the situation that the mistake occurs in. Um, if it's a um, if it's a new skill uh, that uh, a player is attempting to to develop, or if it's a new concept that a team is attempting to implement um, tactically, um, you know, on on the field or on the court, I think it's important that that we, we have a, a method, a methodology, uh, I should say, uh, as coaches to how we are going to go about the teaching of that skill or concept or strategy. Um, and then the, what matters uh, at any given moment, because a mistake that occurs in training, uh, which touches on something that is foundational to what they're trying to do, you might, you might stop and you might you know, correct something. Uh, in the moment, um, if they're trying to learn a motor skill, uh, you know, again, it's important for them to, to sort of figure that out biomechanically. Um, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of research, a lot of data literature out there that says that, uh, you know, no, no, obviously no two bodies are the same. No two techniques are going to be identical. We talked about this on a previous episode about, you know, what the book says versus what, uh, what can be applied by the athlete. So I think it is important that uh, that coaches um, recognize that not every mistake or every incorrect action or incorrect decision, um, which may be subjective as well, uh, when it comes to a decision making um, sort of matrix, um, we shouldn't stop play. We shouldn't stop things for everything. Uh, because if we do, then we're really interrupting their learning. Um, and uh, however, there are some things which we need to stop uh, and re-explain. You know, the first link in the chain, if you will, um, if that first link is, 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 is rusty, it won't hold all the other links that are going to come afterwards. 
um, and the entire skill or the entire strategy or the entire concept uh, is going to be uh, built on sand. Uh, I'm mixing metaphors there, but I think you get what I mean. I guess is I guess we 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 need to look at the, the types of mistakes, and, and what we're talking about here. Are there certain types of mistakes that you you talk about certain types of mistakes that you would stop for? Um, a mistake in a game scenario. How, how coaching through? How do you deal with that? Because it's a little different. You can't stop the game. <laughs> um, how do you deal with that from a coaching point of view, as opposed to you're dealing with the mistake that might occur in training? How do you, how do you change and adjust? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you can't, you can't stop the game um, as often as you might like uh, as a coach, perhaps. I actually feel that um, the fewer interruptions coaches get to bring to competition uh, the better the competition, generally speaking, the better the experience as well for the athletes that are competing and the better the sport that is being played. Um, I feel like, for example, in my sport, the international rules um, really do, you know, curtail, they limit the number of interruptions that a coach can have in the action, um, as opposed to the in the American game, um, I, whether that's the NBA game or, or the college game or even the high school game, um, there's there are far more uh, timeouts uh, that can be taken and far more interruptions that can be brought. So I think it, it requires a strategy on the part of the coach. You need to understand what is actually going to uh, warrant that I stop play, that I interrupt the action, that I burn, so to speak, um, one of my uh, it, one of my timeouts, one of the tools that I have as a coach. Um, it shouldn't be for, um, you know, just anything. Um, so if there is a mistake, so for example, if we're talking about an individual mistake, um, oftentimes substitution works just as well. Um, if it's a mistake that requires stopping that player from continuing to play, um, you don't need to take a timeout and stop the game to correct one person uh, because, I mean, obviously there are other players on the team and assuming that you, you are coaching a sport which has revolving substitutions, they can come out of the game and if you want to put them back in, they can go back in. Um, I know that's not the case for every sport, but uh, still the, the, the principle remains. However, if it's a collective uh, mistake, and I'll give you an example uh, for me, typically speaking, if, if we start a game or we start you know, a quarter or the second half, um, and we are, you know, I have a magic number. It's not an absolute number. It's not written in stone, but it's a, a rough guide for me. If, if the other team, you know, scores seven unanswered points, um, typically that's it for me. Um, and there is some type of a stoppage that comes. So that's substitutions, either en masse or individually, or that's a timeout. Um, and that is just the nature of like, if we are not communicating one possession, we give up a basket, we are, you know, not rotating another mistake, give up another basket, a three and a two, they're at five. They score another one on a turnover because we're sloppy done. Right. Um, it's, it's not really possible. I think for coaches to micromanage every single action on the court, it's just not possible or field. Um, it, it's, it's not possible. 
sports, and here's here's a key here's a key concept that I think is important for for coaches to hear and for coaches to to really reflect upon. Generally speaking, most sports, and I, I'll let you know which uh, an example or two of sports that don't fit this, but most sports are not about mistake elimination. Mm. They are about mistake mitigation. Mistake elimination sports are like figure skating. Figure skating, you want a perfect routine. Not a single wobble. Gymnastics, not a single... Okay, there are, there are examples of sports that are focused on mistake elimination. But the vast majority of sports are about mitigating those mistakes. And what I mean by that is we want to limit the number of mistakes that we make, accepting the fact that mistakes are still going to occur. And the second element to that is that we want to limit the damage of those mistakes. So if a player is going to uh, inevitably make a mistake over the course of the game, you don't want it to be a fatal mistake. You don't want it to be a mistake that will lead to an uncontested shot, for example, in basketball. Um, and you don't want it to be a character mistake, right? You don't want it to be a lack of effort or a lack of connection. Uh, if someone is being lazy and those sorts of things, you don't want them to compound one mistake with another, turn the ball over, miss an open net and drop the head, get down on yourself, stare at the sky, grumble at the official you are compounding the mistake. Mm. So general, what I want to say to begin here is, is it's really important for coaches to understand and to think about how it applies to them, to their sport and to their environment. Generally speaking, we are not in the mistake elimination business. We are in the mistake mitigation business, which is three things. One, reduce the number of mistakes to the lowest possible number, right? Zero being ideal, probably not likely, but we want to reduce the number of mistakes to as low a number as possible individually and collectively. We don't want to compound those mistakes by following up with a character mistake. You know, that sort of negative reaction, negative body language, negative mindset, grumbling to the official, complaining to the coach, whatever the case may be, not running back um, or participating in, in the action that is ongoing with their teammates. You know, we, we don't want to get into that. So it's, it's really about mitigating the mistakes and mitigating the damage of the mistakes. You, you talk there about the damage of the mistakes and you know in the sport that I coach hockey it's not always it's never really that first mistake that causes the goal it's normally a sequence of errors that have occurred yeah. that get you to the, get you to the point um, where a, a, a goal will be scored and of course in hockey we don't have the same benefit that you do in basketball we can't suddenly just call a timeout and stop the game um, from a coaching point of view, if a coach is seeing what's coming, they're not in a position where they can stop the game by calling a timeout. Is there anything they can do in that scenario to, to stop it? Or is it once you've, if, 
if you don't get it quickly enough, that's it. You, you, unfortunately, it's gonna, it's probably gonna get away from you. Again, it, it will vary by sport because of the size of the environment that you play in, um, and maybe crowd noise uh, and other types of things. But as coaches read the action, and we can anticipate uh, because our, our eyes are experienced, and we've, you know, we we can see something coming. Um, the first thing to do is to try and, and verbalize that, of course, um, you know, to assist your athletes. That's our job. Our job is to help them succeed. Um, I think it's really critical that we don't overreact uh, to mistakes that occur because they are going to occur again, uh, as, as I said. And, you know, when I believe I think that in sports, we tend to preach a lot this sort of next play mentality. Right. And it's 100 percent accurate. You know, we we do need to focus on what happens next. You have to take the amount of time that you can spare to learn from what just happened. You know, acknowledge and explain what happened and why um, you need to correct and implement that correction. But then you need to forget and you need to move on. Uh, from, from that particular mistake, because, um, you know, the next play is what matters. And as coaches, we need to live that ourselves. I do feel that coaches tend to at times dwell longer than, than we should on something that we might've anticipated that we might've seen coming that we might've tried to prevent in whatever way we could verbally or what whatnot um but we're not able to prevent and and we dwell on that on on the you know the inability of the athletes to carry out our instructions and 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 we are now compounding that mm. that is us that's an us problem and not a player problem that's a coach problem um we need to imp adopt and model that next play mentality. Um, and particularly in games, because when you're competing, the only thing that really matters is bringing to bear everything that you have at your disposal to compete, to be at the best that you can be, give yourself a chance to win, and then conclude the engagement. The game's got to finish at some point. Right. You got to play the game, play it to win, compete hard. That's the only thing that you're focused. On. You're not worried about, um, you know, everything that has gone on before or everything that is to come. You are focused. You have to be focused right there. Do what it takes to win the game because you were in the competition business. You're out there. You're you're competing. Right. We have a, a, a performance outcome that we're chasing. So do what it takes to get through the game and to be at your best. Do what the team needs you to do to give it a chance to succeed. And that win will look different for different teams in different contexts. It's not always about the win on the scoreboard. It could be a procedural win. It could be a process win. There's a whole range of different things, okay? But whatever it is that performance outcome is that you're, you're chasing, keep your focus on that and go get it. And in the after action review, that is when you get to go back and reflect upon, okay, 
we're, we got to acknowledge this mistake that happened and explain why it happened. We need to correct it. This is how we're going to implement the learning and the correction. And we need to move on. We need to have the next play. That next play mentality is really, really important for coaches to have. Because if we don't have it, how can we ask our players to have it? You talk about, the, you know, getting through and winning, winning a game. And, and, we, and, I, and I guess we often refer to this particularly at times when, you know, uh, winning ugly. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you figure out a way to, a way to do it. it. It often doesn't look attractive. Um, I guess that's, that's leading into that question of if the mistakes just keep coming, how then do you, in the effort to mitigate, obviously you're mitigating those mistakes, how then do you try to make sure, well, we need to get out the right side of the ledger here somehow? What, how do you, you tip this into a, I guess, tip this into a positive, a positive? You, you've got a lot of mistakes going on. How do you then tip it into a positive so that you, you, can, you can get out of it with yeah. some positive so that you're able to at least recall that to the players after, after the game? That's what coaching on the fly is, yeah. you know. You, you've got – I mean, I'll always go back to this. You know, Mike Tyson said it. He, you know, he's, he's a man of few words, but, uh, you know, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. And when you're getting punched in the face, it's all well and good to say, hey, like, this is what my plan was. Um, and, you know, sometimes you have to you have to go down with the ship if you really, you know, if you, if you can't think of another option. But it's probably not a good strategy strategy to just stand there in the middle of the ring and let someone come at you like that um you have to you have to switch it up you got to go to the ropes you got to go to the sides you gotta you, you gotta move you gotta do something so i i think that the coaching on the fly piece uh is a really important element of this and i i believe that coaches at times struggle with coaching through mistakes in a positive way that brings the athlete or the team through uh, to a, a better place or at least a place that is, you know, hasn't dropped them too far behind. They're not struggling emotionally or mentally in the moment. They're ready for the next play. They're ready for the next sequence. Um, even if you might not move forward, but at least you, if you don't fall too far behind, you're, you're probably in a better spot. I think that coaches struggle with that because they're not prepared to coach on the fly. And maybe they're uncomfortable with the idea of coaching on the fly. They want to stay true to what, you know, all the work that they did um, to, to prepare a strategy that they want to see through to the end. And sometimes, and I, and I can't give you the magic recipe to know when those times are, uh, but sometimes you have to be able to, to acknowledge that for all the work we did, that other side was also doing. And what we anticipated to happen is not what's happening. And so we need to adjust. Mm. And that adjustment from one quarter to another, from one game to another, from you know one possession to another, it's those adjustments. That's where, uh, that's where the coaching happens. And that's where the excellence really comes through, both as a coach and for the team, uh, for the athletes being able to adapt and be nimble and flexible mentally 
um, because they, they're prepared for an eventuality where our plan A uh, is just not, it's not getting it done today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you talk about winning ugly, you know, I, I, uh, I often say after ugly wins, like to go back to figure skating. Uh, I mean, it's, it, this isn't figure skating. We don't have an artistic sort of grade. Okay. It's not what this is. Um, we have to do what we have to do to put ourselves in a, in a place to, to carry, to carry the day, it, particularly as you go up in levels. I mean, obviously now you have a, a real focus on performance outcome in terms of the scoreboard. So, um, you know, we're always in this juggling act because you don't want to crumple up the plan too soon mm. and you don't want to crumple up the plan too late. Um, and sometimes, you know, this is why we say coaching is not a science. It's an art, right? It's this, this alchemy of coaching that, uh, that happens. And it's, it's part of it is experience. Part of it is making the right decision, making the wrong decision. I've, I've, I have myself employed the same strategy in different situations and had completely different outcomes, uh, in terms of my response to poor play or mistakes or, or a series of mistakes. Um, so, you know, it really is, it really is about our ability to coach on the fly, coach through the mistakes, focus on the next play as much as possible. So that if we are doing that and we do that in training, we do that every single day that we are together as a group, um, the athletes are far more likely to do it in competition. We talk, we talk a lot about that. We're talking about mistakes, team mistakes, player mistakes. This is the interesting one. And I guess it's, it, how, how, how do we deal with a situation where it's, it's actually the coach that's making the mistakes? It's the coach that's mm-hmm. making the errors. It's not the player group. It's the coach that's actually the one that's, that's fumbling the ball, so to speak making the mistakes how do you how does a coach and, and sometimes they don't know how does that get adjusted you know um who yeah i guess who steps in who who's the one that makes that call? Yep. you know what if you've done a good job as a coach in creating a an inclusive and empowered environment um and again relative to age relative to Okay, so many of my examples might be really applicable to older age groups um, or or more senior competition. But I think I think part of it is going to apply equally to uh, a 13 and under a 12 and under and a 10 and under um, in in this way. If if you have done a good job at creating that type of uh, of a of an environment where people are empowered and feel empowered to be able to voice an opinion that is contrary to what you are doing or saying, um, then again, right back to that previous conversation we had, you need to be able to hear that. Hmm. Um, And whether that's somebody needing to put an arm around you and to say, hey, coach, um, we should stop X, Y, Z. It's just not working for us right now, okay? And, and that is a conversation you might have with an assistant coach that might be a captain, at a, at, you know, at, 
at any level, really, if you have a good captain, um, they are like, uh, they're like gold uh, to have, have somebody who is invested like that and to bring a, a perspective that they can share with you. I think that, that you, you need to be uh, open to that communication. Uh, and of course, you know, oftentimes in a game, um, it's that after action review that I keep coming back to, um, you know, that maybe we can discuss in a, in a future episode, but the, the review, okay. It's the same process, acknowledge and explain, acknowledge, acknowledge the mistake, explain in this case would be, let's identify the process by which I, as the coach arrived at this decision. Mm -hmm. Where along the way did I take a false step? Did I make a mistake? What did I miss? What, what did I not anticipate correctly? Perhaps using a basketball example, we identified that we were going to guard an on ball screen by going under the screen, uh, for example, not anticipating that the team that we were playing were going to shoot the ball off the dribble so well because they had not to that day. Um, and that was a strategy we had. And maybe we stayed with that strategy for too long, which is a me decision. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you can identify and explain this is why we did this. We went under on side ball screens because they shoot 29% off pull-up jumpers. Against us today, they shot 39%. And that makes a big difference. Okay? Um, so you can I acknowledge and explain that mistake. You then need to bring in a correction, perhaps, to your process. Maybe I weighed the last two games of their statistics too heavily and didn't take a, a broad enough perspective of where have they been in the previous 10 games to get a real better idea of how good of a shooter are these players. Right. Um, and then if I identify corrections, I implement it and then I forget and I move on. Right. It's, it's important that we, we, we adopt a similar process to what we're asking the athletes to adopt um, by acknowledging and identifying and explaining um, and then correcting, if necessary, implementing that correction, and then moving on to the next play. I, I, I often see this. I often see coaches that are that make mistakes and don't want to admit they've done it. Is it important that a coach, do you think, don't want to admit to their players that they've done it? Do you think a coach needs to, is it important that a coach accepts those mistakes when they make them you know, and actually acknowledges that to their player group? Or is this something that they need to keep, them, you know, like some coaches want to keep to themselves and not admit that they're actually probably the one here that's, that's made the error? I, uh, generally speaking, I would say it's, it's very important for coaches to be able to acknowledge when uh, a decision that they made or something that they did was was wrong that's that's not just a good coaching um habit that's a good human habit uh and it's certainly a good leadership habit i think there are also uh situations and contexts where coaches 
are um, different types of mistakes where coaches need to make sure that they are um, uh, ready to to make that sort of announcement or or recognition uh, to to the players. You know, if if you are a new coach taking on a new high performance team um, and and you don't know those athletes and they don't know you. Um, you know, it's critically important that you, you really slow what it is that you are doing, because yeah. if you go slower and you do what, you know, you're less likely to, to, to step into, uh, something that you're going to have to walk back. Um, and, and so, you know, if, if you're not, if you haven't built up perhaps that trust or that credibility in the eyes of the athletes, just make sure that what you're doing, you know, and you can explain. And, and if you know it and you can explain it, even if it doesn't work, that doesn't mean it's a mistake, right? It doesn't mean it's a mistake. Just because something doesn't work, that doesn't make it a mistake. Hmm. It could have been the right thing, but it didn't work that time. You know, there are, if you have a belief in it because you have the data, because going all the way back, you know, you've, you've accumulated information and you've analyzed that information to say, hey, if we have to play this team four times, we're going to be okay based on all of these different metrics that we can understand, um, you know, black on white, that tell us that it, they may get, you know, the sun, a broken clock is right twice a day. Let's put it that way, right? So, it may work every now and then, but overall in the long run, it's going to work out to our benefit. So it's not just about whether something works. It's about whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision. Um, and, you know, if you make a decision to, uh, for example, to, to correct or chastise a player very publicly, loudly, um, in a way that that is probably unwarranted or, or over the top, that is a mistake, okay? That is not a mistake that just because it didn't work and the player didn't go out and play well doesn't mean that it's the, the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. It's, it, it has to be something that you can acknowledge and say, hey, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I, sh I should have taken you aside. I should have spoken to you this way um, and let you know what I was thinking or what I saw. And that's on me, right? Um, so the the easy answer is to say yes, coaches should acknowledge. But the more the more nuanced answer, I believe, is that coaches need to be cautious um, in in going into situations where make sure you do what you know. And as you, if you do what you know, um, you know you're more likely to be in a comfort zone so that you can teach it effectively. You can game out the possibilities of what's going to happen as a result of it. Because at the end of the day, the bottom line, do not make stuff up. Do not make stuff up. Coaches, do not make stuff up. Do not just make it up, okay? So, you know, if, if you find yourself doing that, you're far more likely to make mistakes. And if you're far more likely to make mistakes, you are going to make more mistakes. And then you keep coming back uh, as a person who just appears unprepared, unprofessional, uh, and who doesn't really know what they're doing. And that is, of course, going to affect the team. It's going to affect you uh, and the team, but it's going to affect the team's development, which is really what matters. Um, so just, just be smart. Do not make stuff up. 
I want to walk through a little bit of a scenario here in terms of, of, you know, how mistakes can occur, what is happening around you and how you deal with it from a, from a coaching point of view. I go back to an incident that occurred once when I was coaching. Uh, we were playing a particular team. There were incidents that occurred. One of our players uh, got carded. Another one got... Um, you know, another player got carded at one stage. They both got carded, one for, um, you know, a fight broke out, basically. Um, he overreacted to something that was said. He got carded and, he, and it elevated to the point where he ended up with a red card, which is instant suspension. Now, I did what a, a, a sensible coach does. I remained calm. I didn't let that uh, get to the bench. I didn't let that get to myself. I just kept things as cool as possible. I, you know, I knew, like you say, you do your talking elsewhere. What I then found is that I then had my team manager walk in over my left shoulder and, and say something. And I turned around and said, well, it's actually your responsibility to go down there and sort that out. It's not mine. I can't talk to the, the tech bench. You have to talk to the tech bench. I then obviously, and, and I had parents say to me, why didn't you, react there and then why didn't you bounce such and such on the sidelines because like you say it wasn't it wasn't an appropriate thing to do uh that wasn't the time to do it we get in the change rooms afterwards away from everybody then i had what i had i said what i needed to say so i guess that's important isn't it that coaches need to understand that when mistakes occur the moment when you actually say something may not actually be there at that time. It may be sometime later. Yes. To actually. Yes. Yeah. It usually will be the, the, the question that you always need to ask yourself in any environment, any situation is what, what do I need to do right now? And if, if there is a, if there is a situation that erupts on, on, you know, in the game, what do I need to do right now? At that moment, it's player safety. It's, you know, regaining order uh, and calming things before things get too far out of hand. Um, that is what you need to do in the moment. Then you move to the next moment. Once you've, once you've done that. Okay. What, ha what, what needs to happen now? Oh, okay. So now I need to make some decisions about what am I going to do with, with that athlete. Now they're removed. Now we have other situations that are evolving. How do I refocus this team onto the objective that we walked into the contest, um, you know, you know, working towards like, how will we, how do I get this team back? And the answer to how you do that is going to depend on the team that you are coaching and, the, the age group that you're coaching. And sometimes it needs a firmer, more, far more structured environment. Um, you know, other times it's, it's, Hey, uh, we, we need to stop this. And it's a little less uh, sort of vocal uh, in a, in a, in a big way. It really does depend, but the key is that you are asking yourself the right question. And the right question is what do I need to do right now? Not what do I need to do for four nows from now, but right now. And obviously, 
we are always anticipating and moving ahead. Um, you know, we are preparing ourselves for what's to come, but do not live in what's to come until it has actually come. And that is the now that you are in at that time. So I, I feel coaches, sometimes we, we also, we experience um, this next play idea in different ways that often leads us to make compound mistakes. Mm. If we react in an emotional way to something that has already occurred and we lose our mind, if we lose our mind, okay, there are videos everywhere of coaches just losing their mind. Okay. And I mean, I'm not going to say I've never gotten angry or I've never lost my own mind um, at times. But if we lose our mind, how is that going to help our team regain theirs? Again, you could say there are probably some contexts or some specific, like, for example, player safety. I've lost my mind over player safety and I've gotten tossed out of games over player safety concerns. And, you know, that was me needing to do something to protect my players. Um, and but that is that's not something that happens most of the time. Most of the time we overreact to the decision of an official we overreact to a mistaken decision of the official. We overreact to the mistake made by a player, a series of mistakes made by the team. These are overreactions. Um, and me losing my mind doesn't help anybody regain theirs. So ask yourself always, what do I need to do right now? What do they need from me right now? Because really what you're doing is what they need, what the team needs from you. Um, and if you keep your if you keep your head in that moment, you're you're and again to kind of put it back to having that routine, having that mental preparation for yourself, um, and having you know more experience as you go through things. You're not going to be perfect, okay? None of us are perfect. We're going to come across something, and we're gonna we're gonna get angry at something that we probably shouldn't be getting angry at, or we're going to get really saddened by something that we shouldn't get saddened by. Mm -hmm. It happens. But if you've prepared and you have acknowledged that this is going to happen and you have a strategy for yourself and you are in a, a positive headspace, you're more likely to come out of it in, in a good way um, than if you are coaching by the seat of your pants and just a rant, ranting and raving and running up and down without any rhyme or reason, okay? Um, and sometimes, sometimes it may sound as if I'm taking the emotion out of, mm. out of sport or out of coaching, and I'm not, I'm not. What I am saying, though, is that if we give in to our emotional responses to mistakes, that we are making it about us. We are making it about us and what makes us feel better. If I lose my mind right now, I will feel better. Okay. For whatever reason, I'll feel better, but it's not about us. This is not about us. It's about the teams and the athletes and what do they need? That is what servant leadership and what coaching is about putting yourself second. Okay. And that's hard. It's really hard, especially when there are 
you know, things that are not going well. And it becomes, perhaps, we feel as if it's a reflection on us, um, and so forth. And so ego comes into play. And it's just really, really important that coaches try to prepare themselves to be in the moment. What do they need from me right now? What does this Jerome loses his mind, gets into a fight. What does Jerome need from me? And if I know Jerome and I've connected with him and I have a relationship with him, I know what Jerome needs is for me to, to talk to him slow and low and not make a fuss in front of everyone in the stands. Say, hey, I got you. I know you're upset. Come back to me right now. I need you back right now. Maybe somebody else, you know, maybe somebody else needs something else. Okay. Um, but it always comes back to the coach understanding their athletes as much as possible and making it about them and always asking yourself, what do they need from me right now to help them move past this mistake? We're talking, we're talking about mistakes, but we're also talking about coaching on the fly. And we've talked, we've talked a little bit, of, we've talked about both in the sense. And I, I want to bring it back, I want to bring it back to a point here that what we're saying here doesn't mean, am I right in saying it doesn't mean that we're abandoning planning, we're abandoning process. When we say coach on the fly, when that's, we don't mean <laughs> n- Nothing. We don't mean any. We don't mean you throw planning out the window. That's that's still part of it, isn't it? You've still got to, you know, you, you, there's still all of that there. You've still got to do all of that. It's it's not referring to. There's no plan at all, and you just do whatever you think works at the time. No, absolutely not. Uh, you were we're not. I'm not saying to um, to to not plan. Um, if you don't plan, you're, you're, you're really going to be in a, in a much tougher situation. What coaching on the fly to me, coaching on the fly means two things. The first is that it means the ability to adjust, uh, and the ability to, to tweak your plan or to trash your plan, uh, depending on, on, on what's needed at the time, uh, in particular in competition, because, um, you know, there are, Again, at particular levels, okay, there are no moral victories. You are, you are playing to win. Uh, and so, you know, there's only so much that can be said for, um, you know, going down with the ship. Uh, it's, it's far better to get into a lifeboat and to make sure that everybody's on the lifeboat and that we can find a way to navigate these seas together and still put ourselves in a position to win. That's the first piece. It's the adjustment and the tweaking. Um, The second piece is the ability to coach on the fly in a sense of not stopping the action, whether in training or in a game, um, at at intervals that are too short, okay, or for every mistake. Um, We we often, you know, I watch a lot of practices um, and of different sports and, and, you know, the, the best practices in particular at the youth level, but even at, at more senior levels, but in particular, I say in particular, because these types of practices build a love of the sport in, in youth. Okay. Whatever sport it is. Um, and, and with that in mind, I say it's in particular for, for young athletes, because we want them to fall in love with playing their sport. Yeah. 
um, they're more likely to, to stick with it and to get a positive experience. The coaching on the fly piece is seeing mistakes, not stopping the play so that they get to continue playing. Um, they get to not have, you know, they don't have to listen to you talk uh, for, you know, what you might think is 30 seconds, but which in fact is three and a half minutes uh, at, you know, on a stoppage. And, and they're also, it has the added benefit of being actually representative of what happens in a game because every mistake, like somebody throws a bad pass or somebody dribbles off their foot in basketball or somebody makes the wrong read defensively and, and gets scored on, what are you going to do? S -s call a timeout every time that happens? It's going to happen every three or four possessions probably, right? Um, because it's not mistake elimination, it's mistake mitigation. So if you are training in a way where you, you don't coach on the fly and you're not helping them through those mistakes using cues, using you know, key words that, that will bring them back to what the strategy is or to what the technique is or to what the concept is. If you're not doing that, then you're, you're, you're making two mistakes. You're, you're killing their love of the game because nobody comes to practice to listen to the coach. They go to practice because they want to compete and they want to play and they want to get better and they want to win. Um, and then, and then the other mistake is that you're actually not preparing them to play in a game. You're preparing them to play in your practice, which like that is not the point. Okay. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, you, you need to make your training sessions as similar to, to game settings as possible. Um, which is why, again, and I, I go back to this a lot in North America, a lot of our coaching uh, has been influenced by American football um, and by by baseball, uh, two of the oldest sports, um, so to speak, uh, because that really were at the forefront of like the professionalization of coaching at every level. And but baseball is slow; it's a really slow game, and American football. Like there is a 30 second stoppage after every 12 seconds, if that six seconds of action. Okay. So there is a lot of time, but typical invasion sports that are go, 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 go ice hockey, field hockey, basketball, soccer. Okay. You name it. Um, like you're not stopping. Okay, you're not stopping. So that if you are not training in a way that actually is reflective of the game, then you're coaching the wrong sport, because that is what you could do if you were coaching American football. But if you're coaching, you know, soccer, that's not going to it's not going to relate very well. Mm. Okay. Coaching on the fly is not just about the adjustments. It's also about to me. It's this double definition, okay? And that's what, it's not about abandoning your planning. It's actually about making your planning more relevant, more effective, and more efficient. 
because your planning reflects the reality that your athletes are going to face. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on one last thing. Uh, identifying how important is it, is it to identify critical mistakes that could actually affect the outcome of what is going on in the game and simply errors that occur because the team is actually learning and adjusting to the style of play you want them yeah. to go about with. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, Jerome. And I think that's where the, the great coaches really separate themselves um, because it's in these, these nuances of, of the game. And you're, as a coach, you, you, you've probably done, um, even if you are a beginner coach, you have already done before what it is that you are trying to do with your team. Maybe you did it as an athlete. Um, maybe you've read about it. Maybe you've tried it out with a small group of, of, of athletes. But if you have some experience at implementing a strategy, a concept, a skill, whatever it may be, you have uh, the knowledge, the experience to know this is what it's going to typically look like the learning process of that skill, that concept, or that strategy. Um, and so you can anticipate the mistakes that are going to happen ahead of time. So you can recognize when they occur and you're able to, um, to distinguish them from uh, the mistakes that are made as a result of laziness or as a result of, um, you know, a bad, mindset a negative mindset or whatever the case may be a bad a bad culture you know a bad character mistake is the way that i tend to think of them um or not a bad character mistake but a character mistake um so you know we as we the coach um it's on us to have understanding of what these different types of mistakes are and I, i've said it before in a previous discussion i'll say it again character mistakes need to be like you need to be intolerant of character mistakes. Um, you, you don't coach those mistakes on the fly. Those mistakes, you address them immediately. That might be a substitution in a game right away. Okay. Um, and maybe they don't come out of the game for another 35 or 40 seconds or another minute and a half if there's no stoppage, but they know they're coming out of the game. Okay. And it has an impact on, on, on their play. Uh, they, they typically recognize that and make positive changes. Uh, if somebody, if somebody is being a bad teammate, okay. Um, you know, that is corrected immediately. If somebody doesn't understand what the spot is they need to get to, or the pass they need to make, or they're passing it off the wrong part of their foot or, you know, all of these different things that, that might occur, um, you know, those are not the same and they shouldn't be treated the same, okay? Because fundamentally, in my view, I, I have an understanding and an acceptance that as a human being, it's not mistake elimination, it's mistake mitigation. Mm -hmm. They're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. We, we acknowledge that on the way in, okay? Which means that, mistakes of the nature that are going to occur because we are fallible, we treat one way. Mistakes that are going to occur because we allow them to occur based on our mindset or our attitude or our behavior or whatnot, these are decisions that we make. 
those are far, far different. Okay. And, um, you know, the last thing I'll say about that is I, it, it, I often tell players, you know, as I'm trying to explain something is that there, there's a difference between a sin of omission and a sin of commission. Okay. And usually it's, it's talking about, you know, whether or not somebody just forgets to do something or doesn't do something. And that's the mistake versus doing something that is, uh, you know, against our culture, for example. So if somebody forgets to sprint to pick up their teammate, fell to the floor and there's a, there's a dead ball, a stoppage in play, and that is a, something that is in your culture, you want everyone to sprint over and pick up that teammate. And that person forgets because they're, okay, that is omission. That's not the same as a player seeing the person and being in their feelings about not getting the ball on the other side and deciding to not go and pick up their teammate. Those are two different things. Okay. So I, 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 I guess what I want to say is to, to conclude coaches should really do the work to give some thought to what are the things that if they occur, you intervene and what are the things that if they occur, you coach on the fly, Yeah, because it really is that double, that double definition that matters. In summing up, is there, are there any last thoughts here with this, in this particular topic that you want to leave those that are coaches with in terms of these two things, coaching through mistakes and coaching on the fly? Sure. I, I would say this. I, I, I want to encourage coaches to, to recognize that acknowledging that your athletes and yourself are going to make mistakes is, is not lowering your standard of excellence. You, you are not all of a sudden becoming a permissive uh, coach where every, anything goes and, you know, it's, it's a kind of a free-for-all. Not, not at all. Um, sometimes I feel we, we are conditioned as coaches to say, like, every little single thing needs to be perfect. And if I am not coaching every single thing to be perfect, I'm not doing my job as the coach. And I, I just don't believe that's realistic. I don't believe it's realistic. I don't believe that it's, um, you know, something that is going to be able to be translated into the game. What you want to be able to do as a coach is have high standards of excellence and really be clear for them what those are and how they live up to them. And if you want someone to perform a particular skill, teach them how to perform that particular skill and give them the latitude to make the skill relevant to them and their body and their game. If you want your team to perform a particular tactic, take the time to teach your team how to perform that particular tactic against particular adjustments and counteractions, and then give them the latitude to think on the fly, to adjust. That is not them lowering your standard of excellence. The picture you might have of a standard of excellence is a picture of perfection and perfection is not possible. 
And that doesn't make us permissive to acknowledge that. It makes us realistic, in my opinion. Mm. So I encourage coaches to put in the time to think about what does that standard of excellence mean to me, for my team, in all of these different ways? What are the likely mistakes that are going to occur? Because they're 14 years old and they can't throw that pass. And whatever the case may be, what's going to happen? And, you know, understand that if you're going to stay committed to something, it's going to take some time. And so you need to work with your athletes as they develop um, more competency and ultimately mastery of whatever the skill or the, the concept is that you are teaching and coaching them on. Coach their mistakes identify what they are, explain to them why they have, why the, the, the mistakes occurred, um, correct them, provide guidance, demonstrate how they can be implemented into their games, and then encourage them to move on. Because if we are a coach who focuses on what they're doing wrong, we miss what they're doing right. And the, the game, you know, sports, it's far more about what athletes do right than it is what they do wrong. And it's on us as coaches to help the athletes understand that. So being able to coach through mistakes and to coach on the fly, to adjust your plan, to tweak things, um, but also to be disciplined enough and secure enough that you are able to proceed on and not stop every two, two seconds uh, because there likely will be a mistake every every four or five seconds of some nature. And, uh, um, you know, this is what it's all about. This is this is what coaching is. This is what coaching is. This is where it's it, it is our ability to coach mistakes and to coach on the fly. That is what makes good coaches. Mm. The good coaches can do it and the coaches who struggle can't. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, and I would agree with you on that. Uh, in summing up, because uh, after the length of time I've been coaching, I know that uh, you know you're being able to do those two things is so very very important, um, and being able to recognise everything is 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 important. Again, thank you, David, for being with us today for the Thinking Coach, uh, and thank you to everyone who is online and watching. Uh, we look forward to being back again next week with another episode and we look forward to having you again next week with another episode. So thanks again, Dave. Absolutely, Jerome. It's good to see you again. Looking forward to next week. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.